Welcome to All the Things with Monique Dusan from the Center for Biblical Unity and theology mom, Krista Bontrager. And now, here's Krista and Monique. Happy Saturday, everyone. Are you going to say hi? Hi, but you're going to do the opening. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to do the opening. Welcome to All the Things. This is the show where we discuss all the things related to God, the Bible, and real life every Saturday night. Every Saturday. And I'm Monique Dusan. And I'm Krista Bontrager, also known as Theology Mom. She just called me Snuffleupagus because I... I'm having an allergy attack. And so, yes, I will. Yeah, my faith. Y'all pray for her. Pray because everything feels like it's we've falling. taken all the medicines. Yes. And she's done all the things and it, she's still stuffy. Yeah. But I am here and I am glad to be here and I am looking forward to tonight's show. I'm so glad that all of you are here. And if you are on Facebook or YouTube, make sure to give us a thumbs up, a like, share the show, tell your friends, call your mama, do what you got to do, get the word <laughs> out. Because tonight is it's the show that's important to me um, because of education choice and yeah. things like that. I dropped out of high school for people. Oh, we're going to say that in public? Yeah, yeah we, can, we can talk We've about that in public. We've never said that in We've public never, before. You know what? But you know what? Today's a new day, y'all. It's going to be some freedom. And maybe if I if I talk about some things, my face will clear up. I don't I don't even, I don't know how that even works together. Well, helping but us. But yeah. Yeah. So I, I'm I'm passionate about this yeah. in particular because my education road was just different. Well, my education road was different. Yeah. And so because it was different, awesome. I think it's important that people um, you know, understand that there are options out yeah. there. Anyway, not to get us completely derailed, this show yeah. is brought to you by Theology Mom Podcast. The Center for Biblical Unity. And Family 210 Clothing. So if you don't yet have your merch, go get it over at uh, the Center for Biblical Unity backslash merch. And I love getting everyone's uh, pictures and messages and how much they enjoy the Center for Biblical Mer- C- Center for Biblical Unity merch. There's our friend Justin. He's, He's got his best. shirt and his mug. Yes, as well he should. Making a stand for uh, the body of Christ being unified. I love it. Yes. Uh, so helping us tonight and every night and practically every day. Is Multiple times a day. Bob Bontrager. The magical button pusher. There he is. Hello, hello. <laughs> we and have I'm our gonna, guest. Go ahead. I got to do the house cleaning. Well, I'm just going to go ahead. I'm going to go ahead. Go ahead. Just go ahead. <laughs> okay. So uh, our guest moderators for tonight are Caleb Harrison from Engage Apologetics or Engage Truth. There it is. And Amy Davis. That was Amy's husband. <laughs> the mug <laughs> yes. so welcome everyone and if you're joining us on the chat be sure to go over and join us on the youtube chat because that's the easiest place for you to interact with us oh our friend edwin and ramirez checking in tonight What's on the up, Preferred Real life coming back to the show very soon you guys virtual hands on me yes yes i'm just saying you know yeah <laughs> because wherever two or three are gathered in his name <laughs> You touch and agree. Who won't right. do it? All right. Yeah. Um, so, 
I'm on, yes, we're on the Center for Biblical Unity page on Facebook. I want to okay. say hi to Ginger Martin Hancock. So she says, so happy to hear you live for the first time. Hello and blessings from Arizona. Ginger, I am glad that you are here for the first time. I'm sorry that I might sound like a snuffleupagus for the first time, <laughs> but we are glad that you're here. Hey, Bob. Hey, Renee. Yes. And uh, be sure to join us on Monday night. So in two days. Yes. We are the official hosts for Elisa Childers. Auntie Elisa. Virtual Woo-hoo. launch party. Yes. Woo-hoo. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. Only a couple more days to it. We have some fun things planned. We have some surprise guests. Not going to tell you who they are, but let me tell you, they're big. Yeah, it's going to be good. And we're going to have some some memes to talk about. We're going to interview some Alisa with some questions because that she doesn't normally get. You know, she yeah. gets all the standard questions. It's like you get all the standard yeah, questions. This, yeah. Tell me about your ministry. How'd you come out of critical race theory? La yeah. la la. Alisa has, you know, similar same, same similar, questions. Yeah. Talk about so, progressive Christianity. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so we're gonna ask her some different questions that yeah. really give more of a in-depth and personal look into the book itself. Yeah. That people just nor- don't normally tend to ask. We actually. Um, when we were at her house, kind of sat up and came up with some of these questions. I was like, you know, what would you like to talk about since it is your book? Yes. Um, and she gave us she gave us some suggestions, and yeah. I think it's going to be really good. I'm I'm so looking forward to it. So join us for that special live stream this Monday in two days, four p.m. Pacific, seven, 7 p.m. Eastern. Eastern, and you can come uh, to Center for Biblical Unity Facebook. Theology Mom Facebook, Elisa Childers Facebook, or Elisa Childers YouTube. Yes. So that's all the places it will be. Yeah. We're, 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 we got a team of people working night and day just for you people. Just so. Yes, yes, yes. We have it. Okay. So tonight we're going to talk about education and the importance of parental involvement in education. Parental involvement is huge in education and um, just, to me, education choice. I didn't know anything about education choice before you and I started having a conversation. I'm like, we got a choice? It, what? <laughs> Nobody told me. I would have chose different. Um, so, we, yeah. Latasha, um, and you're going to actually talk more about this in just a minute, but Latasha is an edu- education choice specialist. Like, she talks about homeschooling and what are options for parents and you know not not options that you can only do if you're earning six figures like what yeah. are some options for just normal people what are what are options for people who may be living in poverty are there options available how yeah. can we as christians really enter into this space even as a justice issue and well, so my question for you is because you did homeschool for yeah. almost 12 years um you know, how do you see this this as a, a Christian worldview conversation, one? And do you see this as a justice issue? Oh, I definitely see education as a justice issue. And I think it's an, uh, my angle on it is kind of different than what you hear on the news. And I'm so excited to have Latasha on the show and hear some of her perspectives. Because from a from a biblical framework, I think that education is vital because it ties into humans being created in the image of God that we are, it says in Genesis one created in his image and historically one critical component of that has been education. I love the old NAACP motto of 
a mind is a terrible thing to waste. Yeah. And I remember those watching those ads on television when I was a kid in the 70s. And that is like a beautiful summary of why I think education is a justice issue, because scripture tells us that we are not just a physical brain and body. We have a soul, too. There's a soul component. There's a spirit component to us. And part of that is to learn how to think. And in the Judeo-Christian worldview, being people of the book, being literate people, has it has a deep history and connection to our worldview. And being educated, and not necessarily always you know, educated in, in the most academic way, but being educated in the word, knowing how to read, knowing the basics, knowing how to use education for your own self-betterment and renewal. These are critical components. And scripture is very clear about putting that responsibility primarily on the shoulders of parents, yeah. especially in Deuteronomy chapter six, that when, when you're walking with your child, you're talking with your child, you're teaching your child, that is the sphere of responsibility and the context within the biblical framework for who has the primary responsibility. It's not the state. It's not the government. It's the parent. And so I think that that is kind of the importance of the biblical focus as far as it being a justice issue, because we do believe that all humans are created in the image of God. I think that having access to education is an important path to lifting people out of poverty on a, on a more long-term scale. This, this goes beyond food pantries and more emergency short-term types of services. This is like, if you want long scale, longer term, multi-generational effect, education is vital and it starts with the parents' commitment. So that's kind of how I see this as, as a justice issue. One of the things I really appreciated you saying was that in the Judeo-Christian worldview, like this is something uh, that I see as even being specific to Christians because when you look at other worldviews and other religions, they, education is only for one group of people. Mm. Only one group of people is seen as, um, or usually, you know, education is seen for- When you've for, been overseas, for, that's what yeah, you've observed. For this group, or education is for men or boys, not for girls. And that's not something that we see, I think, within, yeah. within Christianity. So, so that's a little that's, of the setup. And yeah. uh, let's get- uh, Latasha Fields on and talk about education. Welcome to all the things, Latasha. Hi, good to be here. Thank you guys for having me. Yeah, well, it's an honor to to talk to you. And um, let me let's just kind of start. I I I should probably tell people I stalked Latasha on the 1776 Unites project. Uh, many of you will remember our friend, Dr. Carol Swain, Auntie who came, Carol Swain, yes. came on our show in July for our 4th of July show and talked to us about that. And so um, I know that uh, Latasha is uh, uh, affiliated with them. And um, maybe you could just tell us a little bit about your background, Latasha, and how you, you know, were on this journey in, into homeschooling. Yes, pleasure. Again, uh, Latasha Fields, uh, my husband and I, we are evangelists of Jesus Christ. We're ministers. Um, 
We've been married this month will be 15 years. We have four wonderful children. Uh, my oldest daughter is 24 and we have three more. We have two sons, 13, 11, and we have a four-year-old. Actually, she'll be five on Wednesday. And so we've been homeschooling for 14 years now. And wow. my husband and I were called by God to homeschool our oldest daughter. And so our journey may be a little different from others. You know, we are originally, we're natives of Baton Rouge, Louisiana. We've been in Chicago. The Lord sent us here um, nine months ago, nine years, I'm sorry, nine years ago this month. Um, and so it's, it's been a journey. And so we homeschooled her from fourth to 12th grade. And she graduated from college last year with her bachelor's in nutritional science. And so... Uh, we have experience on this journey. Um, seriously, the the flexibility, the freedom, and the liberty, and just the acceleration of of education that we've seen with homeschooling our children. And also, my husband and I, as an extension of our ministry, we run a school. So we've been running a private Christian school for thirteen years. So we do have students. Um, here in Chicago. And, and of course I have babies back home that we homeschool, we homeschool them over Zoom. And we've been doing that um, for over a year prior to, to COVID. So that is, the, if you will, the sharp version of our journey in homeschooling that when, when the Lord called my husband and I to pour her out, again, we didn't have uh, the typical uh, problems, if you will, with people seeing with the public school. The Lord literally just called us to do it uh, for discipleship. Uh, and so he began to teach us and show us how children needed a crisis in an education. Uh, that, and, and our advocacy for 14 years has been not necessarily championing just mere uh, accelerated education, but championing that children should be ambassadors for Christ, that children should really have, again, that Judeo-Christian value. And as you stated on your program, that we're more than just brains and body. You know, there is a soul, there is a spirit man that has to be nourished, that has to be cultivated. And so that is our journey. And that's why we're very, very um, adamant, if you will, and advocate and proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ is the first and foremost education that our children need. I'm so glad you brought that up within the context of discipleship, because I think that is often overlooked. We, we have a tendency, I think, sometimes to separate education and discipleship. And really, as Christian parents, our tradition and our history is one of a both and. And um, maybe you can talk to us. I know it's not on our list of questions, but but now you got me thinking because uh, I'm wondering if you can build that out a little bit more of how you see the parents' responsibility as taking the lead in their child's education, because that is not like a common belief. I think that you're taking, you're provoking our thinking a little bit yeah. of, of putting it within the context of our child's discipleship. Unpack that a little bit more. Natasha, you're speaking her language now. I'm telling you. <laughs> Speaking our language. <laughs> Praise God. But well, yeah, you know, I'm I'm very my husband and I we're very adamant on that and we advocate really strongly for that because one of our sayings is this, you know, uh, I go to a lot of meetings and, and you guys hear it all, all the time. Too many times we find that people in the body of Christ, they continue to advocate just for, again, the academic part of the child. And so what I tell them all the time, and this is serious, this is our faith. When Christ returns, he's not looking for valedictorians. He's not looking for kids with 4.0 GPAs. He's not looking for these things in terms of the systems of the world. He's looking to find faith. And so as believers, as, as 
as believers of the body of Christ, we got to put priorities first. We have to put the weightier matters of the law. And the weightier matters is to execute judgment between our neighbors and to make sure that we're teaching our children to love God with all our heart, mind, body, soul, and spirit, and to love our neighbors ourselves. And as you quoted earlier in your show, People have to really realize, especially the body of Christ, that the commandment that God gave, and you're right, is in Proverbs 22, is all through the scriptures in Deuteronomy 6, that we as parents have been given the commandment of God to diligently teach our children. We have been given the commandment of God to train our children up in the way that they should go. And I think our society have bewitched us, if you will, and have, con have conditioned society for the last 120 years that we are to outsource our children into this secular humanistic society that literally drives a wedge between parents parents and their children. And it's a very anti-Christ, anti-God system. And so we as believers, it's time. And that's my advocacy now. And it's been for 14 years and even stronger, if you will, now that it's time for us to separate ourselves and stop allowing these systems that be that we knowingly is against God. When they legislated by the Bible out and they legislated prayer out, we should have taken a second look at what we call public education today. Because again, it is an indoctrinated cesspool that is literally training our children to be haters of God. Again, driving ways between parents. And so we have to take back that authority and empower parents, empower the body of Christ. That is our responsibility to make sure that our children are, are stern and anchored and unmovable in the faith of Jesus Christ, not just the secular thing. Of course, we want our children to be prepared. We want our men to be strong. We want our women to be Proverbs 31. We want them to be merchants and go out and be able to survive in this world. But we cannot forget the real point of our existence, and that's to be trained transformed by the renewal of our mind. And we can't get that transformation just by mere secular academics. We just can't get it. And as you quoted, again, the mind and the heart is not separate from the soul and the spirit. And I love a quote that Booker T. Washington said, that education is not apart from life. So for the last 120 years, this, this system that we call education, it has literally separated the souls of our children, the spirit of the man, and has only given them, again, this secular notion of academics. And so in our school, in our homeschool group that we have in Chicago, we advocate strongly that parents are to be empowered to take the lead in their children's education. And the church must get on board to help these families. You better preach. Come on. Yes, I'm a fan of you. Yes. You, you didn't say it all. I feel like, and that's a wrap. And good night. Yes, yes, yes. Wow. Yes. That was all. Like, this, this is what we need to be talking about in the church especially with our kids. We wrapped up with a lot of stuff. Oh, you made my allergies go away. Yes. <laughs> amen. Yes. Oh, God, amen. Wow. Okay. That, yes. That was powerful. Go, let me tell you, if you're watching this, you're going to need to go back and listen to that again. You're going to have to play the replay. You think I'm playing? There was a lot in that sentence, in, in, that, sentence, in, that, in that statement that is full and robust, and you're going to have to listen to it again. Parents, you're going to have to listen to it again and thread out what, what's really being said as far as how are we, um, as Christians, educating children? How are we taking responsibility for the cultivation of their soul and that this isn't separate? It's not that I need to, to educate your mind Monday through Friday, and on Sunday we educate your soul no, this is a, a one together kind of thing, and it's your responsibility. I, Ooh, I'm, that was good. sorry. I, put that away now. I, I, uh, I'm way off script, but I'm I I want to uh, have you unpack a little bit more about the issue of because I have been rethinking some of my own views and on this issue, and you are hitting 
right where the Lord has been working with me. And I would love to to dig into that a little bit more because um, I'm just going to be real honest. Like I have been extremely devoted to, you know, hey, I want my kids to get the best grades and take the, the you know, the AP classes. And that's been my priority. And I've the Lord's really been kind of working with me on on, you know, that's not the most important thing that I want for your for your kids. Like, yeah, the grades are important. But what if my kids aren't devoting like every waking moment to their studies because we're having conversations about their faith and how do we spend time together as a family in the word and how are we educating them in their faith? Sometimes I think even Christian parents can look at, well, my kid makes good grades, so therefore they're a a moral person, but that's, that's not God's vision for our kid's life. Um, I, I don't know, maybe if you might respond to that. I don't know if you have any additional thoughts about that. Yeah, I, I think what, what Christian parents have to do, you know, like I was just saying, we, we really have to take a step back, refocus, examine our own soul salvation and, and really understand what education is. Because I tend to tell people the word education is kind of this new age thing, 21st century. The Bible teaches it this way, that he has given us wisdom, knowledge and understanding. That's the epitome of what we call education. He said the fear of him is the beginning of knowledge. And so what do we want our children? We want our children to fear God. Right. And so at that's what we are to do as the body of Christ. And so we have to give our children wisdom, knowledge, and understanding, not just wisdom, knowledge, and understanding of this word, because the Bible teaches that he's going to bring that to nothing. And so we want our children to be able to stand the test of times, because even right now in our society, there's so much going on. And I ask parents today, are your children ready to deal with the lies of the enemy? Are they ready to deal with what is happening on this soil today in this hour? And so we need to be preparing our children, if you will, like boot camp and we need to be girding them up for real in the things of God so that they will be able to stand against the lies of the enemy. So how do you do that in terms of education? Well, first of all, I think that we need to bag away from this conventional way of teaching. God said that children are wonderfully and fearfully made. They are unique. So the way we teach, we teach children as individuals because as the body of Christ, we congregate together, but God still deals with us as individuals. And so we need to get out of this mythology that is a one size fit all. It's not a one size fit all. God does not treat us like that. He is personal. He is relational. And so we need to make sure that our children have a relationship with him. And so they need to be taught in the parameters of the way the body of Christ moves, the way God tests us. And so the curriculum that we use, you can take any curriculum, if you will, but the curriculum that we use is accelerated Christian education. And again, I love the mythology of it. That is an individualized curriculum where when the children are enrolled, if you will, they're given a diagnostic and the diagnostic catch where they have uh, learning gaps, accelerated or moderate, if you will. And then we begin to hone on those things in terms of the core academics. But all in all, our homeschool environment and everybody that we're connected with, our first priority is the things of God. And so I encourage Christian parents, stop buying these secular secular curriculum. Buy a curriculum that the Bible is the Bible is interwoven into the context of that. And then we have to stop being afraid to just, if you will. Sometimes we take all day, two, three, four hours, and we do nothing but teaching the Bible. Stop comparing yourself to what the world desires for your children, and begin to prepare them for what God desires for them. Because at the end of the day. 
That's who we have to please. We don't have to please man. And if we believe in the scripture, as the Bible has said, he said, I won't withhold any good thing from you. So we don't walk in fear in teaching our children. We believe that if we give them Jesus, if we give them Jesus, we just foolish enough to believe that they can do all things through Christ who strengthens them. And so that's what we have to focus on. The body of Christ has to refocus, get back in line and focus on putting Jesus as the center of these children's education. Because in various states, I believe you guys are in California, we're in Illinois, there is a lot of egregious onslaughts that are happening in our education system. You got this homosexual agenda, you got the aggressive of abortion in the school systems, you know, you got this, this rewriting of the history with this insidious mindset, you know, where they, with the 16. 19 project where they want to make black kids feel like they're victims to white supremacy. So, you, you know, you just got continual, continual onslaughts in this thing we call education. And we need to be preparing our children. We need to be preparing our children to deal with this. Because as I tell parents, yes, kids are homeschooled. You know, it, it seems like they're covered. But guess what? Our children have to deal with those kids. They have to grow yeah. up. They have to deal with their peers and we need to be preparing them to go out into the highways and the byways and compel men. Cause I tell my kids all the time, the devil ain't gonna run cause you know algebra. Uh-huh. He's, where's, you know, he's not gonna run cause you pass the ACT. That is not gonna fight the wise of the enemy as a believer. And so we need to get she's, away. She's making us problem. rethink some things. Yeah, yeah. We, we have to. We have to even got no kids. And I'm just like, if we're going to send to go find me a child <laughs> so I can get you educated. Yes. If we're going to center Jesus, what does that begin to look like yeah. in our kids life? All right. So our friend Jesse has a question. Um, Jesse is a very thoughtful young mom and uh, with a cute baby. Yes. Ooh, that girl is cute. And so she is asking if it's the parents' responsibility to educate their kids, how does this relate to the decision to homeschool or send our kids to a conventional school? So I think what she's saying is, if it's my responsibility to choose, isn't that the the choice that's on the table is in either or homeschooling or conventional school? Maybe you speak to that. Well, you got to understand the whole uh, school choice mythology, the definition, that's man-made. Okay, and thank God for it. Thank God for our country. Thank God that we have school choice. We're not in a country like Germany where homeschooling is illegal. But as a believer, you got to put that in context. Yes, the, the by definition, school choice, you can choose homeschooling, charter, public, etc. I'm not here to advocate for the man's definition of school choice. Mm-hmm. The only choice we have as believers is to give our children a Christ-centered education. And so we need to be advocating for education autonomy, education sovereignty that put Christ as the center of that. Now, the body of Christ has a responsibility, if you will. And then I know you guys are going to get into this more into the program when you're talking about our, our, our families that come from more distressed communities, more low-income communities, single moms. And that's where we as sisters and brothers come together and we begin to lock arms to help those families. But I don't necessarily agree in terms of the secular definition of school choice that we as Christians have a choice. We don't have a choice. It's either life or death. And so our choice is to get our children out of these secular humanistic schools, which is a religion, and begin to homeschool them or put them in real Christian schools where Judeo-Christian values are taught, biblical worldview is taught. So that's my definition on school choice, that I thank God for this country, um, that I have the, the constitutional right, if you will, and the freedom and the liberty to teach my children. 
So that's my definition of, of education choice. Yeah, and I them. think that's really important because from a biblical point of view, one of the concepts that we've talked about on the show before is a, a theological concept of what I call sphere sovereignty, that God has appointed different um, spheres of authority and there's self-governance of how I govern myself, um, not stealing, not looting, not um, harming my neighbor, you know, physically, uh, not committing adultery. That's self-governance. Then there's the sphere of the family, the mom and dad and the children. And in God's system of authority, he has put the parents in authority over the children. And so part of that authority is the education. Mm -hmm. It That's in that sphere. It's in that bubble of who decides what the education is. Latasha's making the very fine argument that God has appointed the parents over that and that they they're the ones responsible. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean that they have to do they have to be the only teacher, but they yeah. definitely um, are going to be accountable to God for what happened there. Yeah. And then the other spheres are that of the church. God has appointed the elders over the church. And so, you know, there's, they decide, you know, about sharing the gospel and meeting for communion and worship. The government doesn't tell the church what to do about those things. The government is the fourth area of sovereignty and it's in charge of, you know, the, the, the justice part of it, of, of the magistrate yeah. and, and keeping the peace so that things don't get out of control. Yeah. <laughs> And that helps the gospel go out too. And you live in an, a law and order society. Yeah. So what Latasha is arguing is very consistent with the historic Christian worldview. It's just, she's pricking our conscience in some, for some people, maybe some uncomfortable ways that they've never thought about before that they might, we might not realize or be aware of how parents were in charge of their children's education until about 120 years ago. And then that shifted from the parent sphere to the state sphere. And we are, she's, she's pointing out that that's not God's order. Uh -huh. If we're going to live according to scripture, we got to shift that back to being under parental authority. That doesn't belong to the state. Um, so is that, do I have that about right, Latasha? You have that exactly right. And so you have that exactly right. And, and that's what it is, because there's a lot of rhetoric, if you will, uh, that's, that's even more egregious and more sinister, where they do want to literally usurp parental rights. And so, again, you're, you're absolutely right. We have to take back our authority. And as the young lady said, no, I'm not sitting here advocating that everybody just just homeschool. I, I do know that unfortunately everybody's not going to be able to homeschool their children. There's a lot of barriers uh, that we have to deal with. There's a lot of breaches that have to be repaired uh, for that. But I think again, that's where the body of Christ, where the church has to step up yeah. and help these families. Because again, because of what has happened in our society where the women have been encouraged to leave the home, get education and work, just, just all these economic things that have transpired, transpired uh, that's where we do have to help each other. 
But again, the, the key is even if you do have to send your child somewhere, God is still going to hold you accountable. Like you said, who's going to be teaching your kids? Because again, I run a private school, you know, my, the parents that the babies that I have, the parents work, but they are involved with their children education. And then when I do parent orientation, they understand my husband and I, they understand our biblical position and we let them know we're only here to assist you in educating your child. But at the end of the day, you are totally responsible for what your child learned. And they, again, are hands-on involved. They suggest topics and subjects and different things like that. So it's not a Miss Latasha thing. It's a family thing. And so we're all an extension of one another's family because we all support each other in the education of our children. So again, if you cannot homeschool, we need to rally the body of Christ together. These pastors, these leaders, they need to open up their hearts, open up these facilities. And the body of Christ needs to be on a mass exodus out of these public education systems. Oh, that's a good word. Okay, let's get into that. Uh, on how do we help these other families? Um, well, I was gonna yeah. before we go there. I was gonna ask you. You mentioned. Sorry, I'm, I'm just sitting over here trying to stay afloat. Breathe. Uh, <laughs> you mentioned that there are several barriers. I was wondering if you could hit on what what do you see as some of these barriers? Because I know, like growing up. One, nobody ever talked about homeschooling. And I think that homeschooling was a thing. I just grew up, to me, I grew up in, in South LA and, you know, people weren't talking about this. Um, and so when I think about it now, when we first started talking about it, it I, you know, I always wondered, well, how would a single mom do do homeschooling? You know, she doesn't have anybody else to rely on and things like that. What are some of the barriers that you see to homeschooling? Yet, you know, single parents, uh, you know, a lot of people like to, if you will, sweep it under the rug or don't talk about it. But that is a barrier, you know, because you need someone in the home teaching and you need someone being the breadwinner. You need income coming in. And and again, you know, I'm going to just say it. I'm, I'm not one to advocate for government dependency, you know, and those things, the WFS system, you know, my testimony runs deep with that, you know, and, and I was able to get an education and work myself off of those things. And so my husband and I, we are not advocating that parents that, you know, should sit home and be dependent on government. And so th that is a, that is a barrier, you know, being a single mom, especially if you have multiple kids, that is a barrier to homeschooling. The economic situation, your financial situation can be a barrier to homeschooling because nothing's free. Right. And so, but you can homeschool on a shoestring budget to over thousands of dollars per kid per year, you know, depending on what uh, program you want to purchase, what program you want to use, curriculum and resource and tools like that. But of course, there are a lot of free things that you can do, but again, nothing's free. And so there are sacrifices, you know, money, your time, you know, there's a lot of sacrificing to educating your children at home. And even if you send them to private schools, and that's why I'm saying because of these barriers, economic economics, um, single parents, you know, people that's coming from low incomes and, and distressed families. I don't necessarily advocate that you got to have a high school education, a college degree, a homeschool. I don't believe that because then I tell people, so what are you telling me? Parents that don't have a high school education or don't have a college degree, their children are, sub are subject to be attacked by the enemy. So what they don't have a right to come out of a horrible situation, 
No, that's that's unacceptable. No, everybody has a right to give their children the best. And that's what I advocate for, no matter what your situation is. That's why it is critical. It is dire that the body of Christ come together to help these parents that have these barriers in place, some to no fault of their own. Because the Bible teaches us this. Consider the ways of the ant, you slugger. He has no guide, no ruler, no overseer, yet he prepares. So we need to, again, encourage people to step out on faith and trust God. People need to consider working from home. So there's a lot of things, if you will, that they can do to make a way to give their children the best education, which is a Christ-centered education. And so that's what I mean when I talk about barriers. There's a lot of things. And again, especially advocating to the Black community, you know, when you have 76% of our children, uh, approximately 76% of our children being born to single parents. And so when you have that great of a population, we're only roughly 13% of the population. And again, 76% are born to single parents, you're, you're not going to have this flood of uh, Black people uh, or African-Americans homeschooling. So that is a challenge for me, my husband and I in our ministry right there up close and personal because there are too many single families. So and, how, how do you see the church doing that, the, the local church? Like, how could they practically rally around single moms, low-income moms, because I really think that education has to be part of a long-term strategy to lift, lift people out of poverty. Um, yeah. I, I don't think welfare is ever going to lift someone out of poverty. I think you need some co combination of entrepreneurship, self-governance, and education is, is a much better path uh, than just continuing to multiply welfare systems. But I think... How could local churches, can you paint that picture for us a little more of what they could do? Like, is it forming co-ops? Is it sharing instruction? Is it forming informal uh, Christian schools where, where we all kind of band together? Like, what does that look like? Yeah, it, it looks like what my husband and I are doing and many, many churches all, all over the country are doing. I and mean, we are an example of that. And another ministry that we know that my husband and I had the pleasure to walk them through. So the way it looks, again, the church has a responsibility, if you will, to help these families. The church is not to be just for Sunday and Wednesday. They are to help their families. They are to have benevolence and charity to help these families. So again, yes, the churches need to start homeschool co-ops, if you will. They, you know, now the word is pods and micro schools. Matter not to me what you want to call them. The church needs to open up Christian schools. These facilities are sitting Monday through Sunday, wasted real estate. They need to have meetings and rally around people, contact some retired teachers, people that have the gift and the anointing to teach and rally and have a meeting and pray and seek God to how to open up these buildings and help these families. It's not as hard as people think, but the church needs to come to the forefront because again, when they legislated the Bible and prayer out of school, we should have never allowed our children to go into the public school system. See, that was a red flag to me as I got older and I began to study history and study the civil rights movement, we should have never let them in when Christ and the Bible was legislated out. So now we're seeing a natural outpouring and what did we think as the body of Christ what was going to happen? And so now again you're seeing this, this, this insidious indoctrination taking over. So what do we need to do? We need to build better schools. We need to become self-sufficient as the body of Christ. We need to build better schools, 
uh, thank God for the, again, the liberty and the flexibility that we have in this country and stop fighting for a system that literally hates our God. Stop fighting for a system that want to destroy the traditional family, that want to destroy the biblical worldview and our children. Why do we keep fighting and supporting a system that do not fight and support us? So the church needs to step up in its place and take authority over the lives of the people that God has called them to shepherd, has called them to pastor. Our sisters and brothers in Christ, it makes no sense that they these families have to be subjected to this level of indoctrination when so many can step up financially, spiritually, and even with their real estate and help these families. That's what it looks like. It's not as hard as people think it is. We've been doing it for 14 years and many others, but people don't, people need courage to do it and get out of this conditioning and this bewitching and depending on government. It's not just government with the WAF the church depends on government. Yeah. I, oh, she said the church depends. The on church that. is government dependent. And then when you talk oh, to them she, about. She's calling. That's what Monique's yeah, calling yeah. out too. And oh. Yeah. Government dependent. Because even now, you know, you got the voucher statement, you know, the, the voucher follows the child. And, and I'm going to just say it on record. My husband and I don't agree with voucher. We do not agree with government interference. We believe in our totality and our sovereignty and complete that we do not want the government paying to educate our children because when the government hands gets in anything you better believe they're going to control it okay and so the church needs to stop depending on the government because you can't even find that in scripture the bible say woe to them that trust in the shadow of egypt the church needs to back away from the government and become a separate body as god has called and stand and be accountable to what is happening in, in society today and get out of this hypocrisy and this place of apostasy and this sleep and this slumber, disregarding what is happening to families. We need to be restoring families and it starts with families and even with the education system. H how are you gonna save the world when our generation of children are being lost? How are you gonna do that? Yeah. <laughs> Ooh. Dang, I'm just gonna sit here. I'm just like, yeah, because that we that, had those cool, yes. we had those conversations too. What you see in social service is once Christian ministries started taking government money, then the government has a stake, and they can tell you you can't proselytize, you can't do it this way, or you must do it this other way. And you know, I think that it's tempting to take that money. It's tempting because then, but you have to understand that then the government. They can have a say on what curriculum you use. They can have a say on uh, having somebody come in your house and do reports. I lived through all of that when I was homeschooling and uh, we went through a charter school. And then finally, I just broke up with the government and did my own thing so that I could be more, even more in control. But it's it 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 really is what Latasha's talking about is. Okay, people, it, let's think this all the way through. All the through way here. through. Yeah. All the way all through. Way, all the way through. Play gonna, it all the way out. If you're gonna if you're gonna say you're a Christian, you know, let's 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 play it all the way out. And what does this look like? And boy, those are some hard words. But I, I think it's so important to hear. She you is know not what I mean? the prophet of peace. No. She, she's not gonna she be coming straight out. And I appreciate that. <laughs> yeah. Yes, you gotta keep it real. Yeah. Um one of the things that that I was thinking about was, you know. At one time, I worked with an organization that partnered families coming out of homelessness with with church organizations and things like that. But to me, the 
it, and it was a very powerful organization. There was a lot of good done with that. But what we could never do, and I even tried this at the most recent job I was at, was to work to partner churches together. Do you know how how many families could be impacted if two churches came together and said, we are going to take a stand for education within our community, within the families that are within our church? And yet, it's and like, do you know how many retired teachers there are that are fed up? They've left. They've taken early retirement because of. They're, they're tired of the politics of public school. But yeah, that we could use as a harness as a yes, resource. But too often I'm like, can, can I just get two churches to partner together to get a vision? Can you have a prophetic vision for this? Can you just come together? I know I know you don't like the way that they worship and they, they don't they wear shoes when they worship. And... They got the tambourine <laughs> and the flag over here. But can we can we come together on the belief that our that education that educating our children is important and it's a biblical principle and start yeah. from there? I know we got some some things you don't like the the color of my pews and I don't like your carpet. It's shag carpet from the, the whenever they had shag <laughs> carpet. But you know like can we get together on the important things? Yeah. And this is where I feel like some of this breaks down. And I know that that's not part of this conversation, but I'm just like, Oh, I, I hear, I definitely hear the importance and I hear the cry. But if we're going to be like, solid about justice, we're going to have to think about how we're going to rally around low income families, single parent households to help them invest in the next generation. We cannot, just turn it over or make it something that is well if you have a two-parent intact family then homeschooling is an option yeah no. if if you're affluent then homeschooling is an option no it needs to be an option for every christian family who wants to really raise up their children in the lord that's latasha's position yeah. now i have a yeah. question for both of you guys because it's come up on facebook and yeah. on youtube um if you're on youtube Bob, it's um, Amanda Whedon. Um, I'm going to combine her question with another question that's on Facebook. It's about being salt and light. And so mm, yeah, if children, if we want to raise children up to be salt and light and, and train them in things like evangelism and things like that, how do you see that happening if we're pulling the salt and light from the public, the, the school. public school? And I know both of you guys homeschooled. I don't have a a thought on that really i'll let latasha go first yeah well yeah we we've heard that many many times but th this is my question the bible said that we should be planting our children in the house of the lord right they should be anchored in god and so how are they even we as adults can't if you will deal with the warfare and the wiles of the enemy but somehow parents in their mind think that their children are equipped to deal with the wiles of the enemy. And so you cannot think, you can't even find it in scripture, you cannot think that you're gonna plant your children in the synagogue of Satan, and they are still being trained in how to deal with things. And they're being indoctrinated. They're, we're, see, when we go out into the highways and the byways commit compel men, we're not anchored in the world system because God called us to be out. We're out there winning souls. But you have your children spending 15,000 hours in, in, in demonic teaching, secular humanism. And so you think that they're going to somehow escape 
that spiritual seed that's being planted in them. So no, I don't agree with children being the salt and the light until they are trained up in the ways of the Lord. And then when they are yeah. old, not depart and making so children into missionaries is yeah, not a, is not a great my, plan my thought that about it too not, they're not that is not scripture that yeah that's not, not their scripture. place like they they you become the salt and the light at a certain point like well, so you if, can't if go i'm out, an adult and yes. i feel like there's a calling on my life yes. to go into public school and be salt and light yes. as an adult as a teacher that's a different issue yes than having my child be trained up in these things yes and, and, and i I'm always saying, you know, kids are so vulnerable. It becomes the water that they're swimming in. They don't know any different. Yes. And yes. so if you just throw them in there, they don't know how to sort out the worldviews yes. and all of this. It, and it's getting more and more complicated. You know, when I was a kid, there was a certain amount of reinforcement that the culture gave in broad strokes to the worldview that my mother was trying to teach me um, as a Christian. But that's not the case anymore. It is not the case anymore that the culture offers a level of reinforcement of our value system as Christians. It is two utterly different value systems. That day has passed. Yes. It, it, it is not Colossians the 1970s. Colossians 2 and 8 teaches this, this, you know, many scripture. The Bible says, beware of vain philosophies and deceit traditions of men and the rudiments of this world and not after Christ. So we as parents, God is telling us, beware. So why would you send your children into, again, philosophies of men, traditions of this world, vain deceit, and not after Christ? And so that's one of my foundational scriptures that that is a warning when something says beware. That means don't go in that. And so again, we know, I, I went to public school all my life. We know a lot of things have happened in our society, but now God is calling us. You know, when we know better, we do better. So now God is calling the church while we while there's still time, if you will, because this thing is closing, coming to an end, that we need to rescue our children, okay? We need to rescue our children, get them out of that. And then what is really just disheartening to me now even at this hour during covid you got the whole world at home yeah Everybody's everyone's kids. a homeschooler now and and you still got parents yeah it will won't change one zoom program to the next your child is at home why are you still allowing this system to indoctrinate your children in your home now your home is like your arc of safety so why are we still wrestling with this system? I'll tell you why we still wrestling with it. Because people are so conditioned and parents are so indoctrinated. All they want is their children is to have accelerated education. So in California, for example, um, there it's actually quite easy to homeschool. Many people don't know this, but all you do is you fill out a one page form. You are a private school. Uh, my husband was a one page form. Yeah. My husband was the oh, principal. That's interesting. I, I was the teacher and that's it. We're a school and it's actually quite easy. Now, there are other options. You can go through a charter school, which is really just a public school. You can go through uh, some Christian schools, have what are called um, private school options. And that's sort of the, a hybrid situation. So there are options. But even as liberal as California is, they don't talk about it. You know, you're not going to see ads on television for how easy it is to homeschool, but it's actually very easy. It's a five minute 
form. It's it's not complicated. Um, and, and that's just like in Illinois. It's even easier than that. You don't have to send in anything. You don't send in any paperwork. I never you had to send in any lesson plans. You just drop them from the school system. Yep. Ever been, and you don't have to do any state res- registration or requirements. So yeah. it is a beautiful process. And we thank God for that. I think that it's... So, it's- wait, so you can just take your kid out of school Yep, on a one-page paper or at no paper at all? Yep. Yes. That seems... <laughs> I don't, maybe I don't, maybe I don't have no kids. I don't understand. <laughs> who, who's watching their attendance then? They, you Your just, parents. The parents you know, are responsible. But, okay, so, but let's say that they were registered in the school at first and then you just take them out. You, no, drop, no. you send a drop for them. You drop them. We're here yeah. in Illinois. Yeah, they, yeah, they, you don't want them to be truant, but you have to officially yeah. withdraw them. Well, yeah, you would drop them from that school and then you enroll them in your school. You yeah. literally become the school. Yeah. Okay. In case that was unclear to any of y'all, maybe it was just me. But see, I think, Monique, you're like the perfect test case for if homeschooling had been an option for you, you know, and it's it's like you were very bright. You were working ahead at a very young age. You were like doing algebra on your own because you had just a natural mathematical mind. And and I had a sixth grade teacher who absolutely believed didn't, in didn't know what to do with you because she was yeah. so far ahead. Yes. But you if if somebody in your community had talked to your mother and someone like Latasha had come along and said, hey. Monique's mom, you can do this for Monique. And instead of dropping out of high school, you could have done independent study. Yeah. And you could have finished high school and and not had to go for so long and, and, and had so many more obstacles, you know, because of your situation. You're like the perfect case study for, you know, the options that could have been available if there had been a local church with a vision who had come alongside your mom and said, hey, let's let's do something with Monique. She has some great abilities. We see that, you know, we're, we're creating this pod. We're creating this this co-op. She can come here and learn like we need to get creative. I'm absolutely convinced that that schooling is an opportunity for entrepreneurship. We need creative ideas to to help our communities. And this is a great way that local churches can resource their buildings like mm-hmm. Latasha was talking about, resource their yeah. people and create informal study programs to help bring kids along and create more options. Now there's a justice issue that I could get behind. Yeah. <laughs> it actually has a biblical foundation. Yeah. And let me insert this too with, with the church. And you said it so beautifully in terms of resources. And so again, as we're helping uh, the single families, if you will, and our families that's coming from our most distressed communities. Another thing that my husband and I, our ministry advocate for is really helping parents. And so the church has an opportunity to even educate parents, because again, you have so many that have dropped out of high school that would like to get their GED, if you will, get trade and skills. And again, we're huge on entrepreneurialism. My background is real estate. My husband is a barber. He owns his own barbershop. 
And so we're big on teaching vocational skills, trade skills, entrepreneur skills. And so many of our single parents can even have that option available to them. So just picture this, because we're working on it in a very, just an infant stage. Just picture this. The, the, the kids are at a Christian school in the local church. And at the same time, their parents are in a room down the hallway getting their education, getting, you know, getting their skills, shopping with trade and, 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 and walking into an entrepreneur spirit. How beautiful is that for a church? And I'm not talking about a brick and mortar. I'm talking about the body of Christ. We as the human beings to take authority and take back our communities. And so we're huge on, we don't want to just reach the kid. We want to reach the whole family because man, my husband, we've been that kid, grew up in the hood, parents on drugs. That's my testimony, having a baby at 17 years old. So we've come from that. And I understand that there's too many times that people want to be champions and heroes to everybody's kids. And even with me, I always said, okay, I'm in all this in school, sports and, and honor roll and, and homecoming court, all that stuff was great. But guess what? That, that, that sore, that psychological thing was still with me because nobody's trying to help my mom. And so we building our ministry on, we don't want to just say kids, we want to do what the Bible said. We want to restore family because God gave Abraham this promise that we should lay an inheritance by our children's children. So we talk about the third generation. And he said, and I'm paraphrasing, he said he will bless Abraham because he will surely keep his house and keep his children under all gravity. So we're talking about the whole house, not just the kids, because we believe when you try to reach people's children without trying to help their parents, you like a thief. We we got the church has to restore the whole family. The moms and the dads need to get back in position. And again, when we're educating these children, the mom and dad need to be down the hall getting educated too, because that is what's going to fulfill that child and make our communities better. And that's what the church needs to be focused on, the restoration of the family. Because again, especially in the black communities, it makes no sense that we have 76% of our babies being born to single parents. They're not upholding marriage anymore. They're not preaching against sin and fornication anymore. And again, I come from that promiscuous behavior. I didn't have a baby at 17 because I was a great girl. I was engaging in fornication. And we need to preach against that and encourage our children to walk in abstinence and teach this. And again, the public school systems are not teaching against abstinence. They're celebrating, it's a hypersexualized culture and they're celebrating all this sexual immorality. And the church needs to wake up. <laughs> that was, yes, that was all I can say powerful. Yes. yes, at Abed. Yes, at Abed. Oh. Because we, See, we, we we will lose them. We are losing them. And especially in the black community. Especially in the black community. It's like between abortion, drugs, gangs. Yeah, we lose them. And, and but yet you have a church on every corner. And yet and yet we're not educating anyone. There's no rehab program. There's no there's there's no program to keep you from going back to jail. When recidivism rates are, are so high and yet we'll blame that on a systemic injustice. And I'm not saying that some of it isn't systemic, but where is the church speaking into this? Where's the intervention of the church to say, here's a different prophetic vision for your life. Tell, telling, telling girls and boys, you shouldn't be sleeping around. Stop fornicating. Yes. This is, where? this is what this is meant for. Sex is meant for marriage. Yeah. I feel like yeah, I need to go on and take me a little trip to, to Illinois. I, I might be seeing you <laughs> in a couple on, weeks. Come on. Come on. Yeah, come on. Yeah. So that that's the education. Wow. So 
when we say education, we're talking about, again, the restoration of the whole. It, it has it really kind of fills out the whole picture of what the church, local churches need to catch a vision for, um, you know, She's literally hit on everything. I know. Everything that you've been saying. Everything. Yeah. And people are like, you don't know what you're talking about. You're just brainwashed. You're a brainwashed white person. Yeah. No, this is is literally, this is it. This is it. Like I, I've worked in social service for 20 years. We will not do it. That is like the church. If we want to see families healed and we want to see progress, we want to see change in the inner cities. It's the church. And it starts the church. The church don't. The church in the inner city don't have to to go out of their doors. Look at the people inside your congregation. Yes. Who are the people inside your congregation? But you have to have some some theology that stands there and says, "Here's the way to go." You know, it. it, it if you don't have like, if you haven't drawn some connections between scripture and how to live out this vision. You're going to miss it. Yeah. You know, and, 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 and that's what I don't see a lot of times. It's like, here's this, you know, we got to intervene. Anyways, this has been yeah, fascinating. We, yes. <laughs> it's already seven o'clock. I know we got to run away. This, this, this yeah. Latasha, thank you so much. Uh, you. This has yes. been, you've brought some, some. I, I'm going to go back and watch this. I know. Yes. Amen. Yes. Well, thank you all so much for having me. Thank all right. You. We, uh, we have your website. We're going to show it on the screen here. Uh, one of our chat moderators found it and put it in the chat so people can uh, go there and see a picture of you and your family. How fantastic is that? Yes, you and your you. Uh, oh, look your at the husband in the middle. Look at her. Oh, she's cute. She just, yes. Oh, yeah. That's the mama baby. <laughs> yes. Um, no, this has been, to me, this has been super helpful and, and, and super convicting and yet super inspiring, you know, as to what we should be doing and what is possible. Um, how do we engage with these conversations and how can we do that as the church? Yes. She, we got some, some messages on the chat, Latasha, that you are calling us out. <laughs> Yes. You brought the fire. So, yes. no, you you really pr- pricked people's consciences. You gave us some things to think about. Um, it was it was a good conversation. Uh, Rachel wants to know, do you ever do workshops to help churches learn how to do what you do? Yes. Yes. We, we have started more structurally. Yes. And there is a church on the west side of Chicago that my husband and I have been so honored and blessed to help. And they launched their school. That's uh, awesome. Eight. And so, yes, we are working hard to really get the body of Christ on board. So, yes, we do. All right. So people can reach out to you if they want to get more about that vision and and learn more about that. So, wow. Thank you, Latasha, so much. You you didn't know me from Adam. I just wrote an email to you. So thank you so much for responding and and uh, bringing a good word for us tonight. So thank you. God bless you all so God much. Bless you. God bless you. Thank you so yeah. much. Yeah. Good night. Good night. All yes. right. Wow. Yes. I, yes. All I can say is yes. She was she was uh bringing some some hard hard things. Yeah. Some hard truths. But uh it, I mean it is a hard the, truth. Bring it's the, the truth. Sp- like truth ain't got to be, but, you know? when you're so conditioned by the culture to say, well, education belongs to the state and this is how it must be. I mean, in Europe, homeschooling is illegal. 
because yeah. because children are are seen as largely the responsibility of of the state to some degree. You know, the parents are more, more like the stewards of the children. Wow. So, you know, homeschooling is a very important right um, for us as Christians to fight for, because in the realm of that sphere of the home, um, we want to be a stand for Christ. So, and it's going to become more and more important. There was a question on there earlier that Jesse asked about how did they do it in the early church? And we didn't ask Latasha that, but I wanted to make a comment about it. Education in historic Judaism was exactly what she's outlining here. It's, it was groups. They would be taught by the rabbi. The children were usually taught by the local synagogue rabbi. And in order to have a synagogue, you had to have 13 men. In other words, 13 families. And so the rabbi would usually help with the education, but it would largely focus on teaching them to read by teaching them the scriptures. Wow. What would happen if you were like a widow and there wasn't a man? Oh, you could still be in the synagogue. It's just that to start a synagogue, to plant a synagogue. Okay. Okay. I thought you meant for the kid to go to school. No, there had to be 13 men to start a synagogue. Okay. Because you had to have like a quorum of elders. Yeah, no, that makes sense. I thought you meant that there had to be a father in the home. No, 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 no. So, um, but I, the, the lead would be the parents and the local rabbi, but it was, there was no state state run situation, you know, and it really state run schools don't become a thing until she's absolutely right until about 120 years ago. And then we made this kind of mental and cultural shift from removing education out of the home into the public realm. So Rachel Parsons um, makes a good point. That's a Marxist ideology, reducing the need for parents and families and instead making it the state's responsibility to raise and educate children. But 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 we're but we're very um, accepting of this. We don't think about it as an ideology. Yes, because we've been swimming in these waters for 120 years. Yeah. So um, but if you look at it historically and you go back, Christians were among the key voices who were fighting against the establishment of public education 120 years ago. Wow. So, yeah, it's a tough, it's a tough thing. Um, So, you know, that Jesse's bringing up all the the usual questions of like daycares and, you know, all of these things. And these are all the questions that you, that you face in our cultural moment of like Latasha was saying, uh, you know, we, now we have such a proliferation of single parent families and we have all of these Things that, you know, they didn't have a hundred years ago of working moms and these kinds of situations. And she made a statement in there. We didn't really unpack it, but that it, a, a lot of it is about trusting the Lord. And um, it's sort of this in in, in my experience, it, you have to get to the commitment first. The vision. You have to get to the vision first. Yes. I say because you're because then the details will start working themselves out. But you have to get to the. The vision and the commitment. Yes. What What's your vision? What are you committed to? Yeah. Come hell or high water, what are you committed to? Yeah. And and watch it. I can say for sure I I have seen the Lord provide and and do that. But it did come when it was like, okay, this is the vision, this is the commitment, and we're gonna ride this. Um. But I wish I do wish the church would really get a vision. Yes, because then the Lord can provide. If we get that vision and we get that commitment, 
and you're stepping into something out of obedience, the Lord will make, will, will provide, yes. you know, and if that's parents adjusting schedules, like in our case, I was still working, but I would homeschool the kids in the morning and then go to work in the afternoon. I was, I only worked part-time, um, but while I mean, it was homeschooling, you guys, but you guys made sacrifices too. Yeah. It's, you know what you, I mean? You have to be willing to, to sacrifice some of your, your style of living. You might use, yeah, buy used cars. You might, um, Shop at Goodwill. Yeah, you might you, have I don't to. Know. Yeah, you 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 have to learn how to live on a budget. And we did the whole budget conversation, yeah. you know, last year. Of, but I think that those are connected issues. That we're going to obey God with our money. We're going to obey God with our kids. Christianity is a is a whole world view. I think I think we could put together uh, a little bit of a conference or something like that to help help people think about this, help pastors think about it, help parents think about it. Maybe that's something we should talk about. Yeah. Like doing a virtual conference, maybe get Elizabeth Urbanowitz in on this conversation. Yeah. Um, if you guys don't know who Elizabeth Urbanowitz is, she has an organization called Foundation Worldview. We did it, an interview yeah, with we her. We did an interview yeah. with her about a year ago, maybe? Yeah, a little um, over a year ago. And she does Christian curriculum for kids. You guys check it out. Um, Elizabeth Urbanowitz. And um, I thought she was in here in, on Facebook. Um, I thought I saw her. Maybe she's gone, giving her but, a shout out. Um, yeah. yeah, like her, she has solid curriculum, and so I like what Diane's comment yeah. here uh, on YouTube. She says, "If God calls you to homeschool, He'll provide." Yes. Um, I think that's just it. Is you have to get clear on your vision. You have to get clear on your commitment, and then the Lord will help you work it out. Um, but you know, you might have to cut your cost of living. You might have to, you know, do some different things. Um, yeah, Financial Peace University uh was helpful to help us figure out how to finance homeschooling i think these are interconnected conversations you know um so yeah i don't know i say stay tuned i think i think i see i I love a good conference boy jesse asked me how many hours would i spend on schooling my kids in the morning we usually start around 7 30 and we were usually done by 12 30 or so depending on their age and then in the afternoon maybe they would do some things on their own um, but the, the actual direct, like me sitting with them was mostly in the morning. And then I would go to work at around two thirty, and the kids would be with my mom for a few hours. And then Bob would come home at five and we just kind of worked different shifts yeah. and figured it out. So, you know, there was just, but I mean, if, if, if three uh, families got a vision, yeah, three families got a vision for how they could help each other. Yes. Three families, if three families got a vision. You know, for for yeah. how this could work, it can work. Yeah. Here's, uh, Elizabeth's, uh, website here. Yes, there's Elizabeth. Foundation Worldview. That's Elizabeth. Um, we love Elizabeth. Yes, check check her out. I mean, even if it's even if your kid is in regular school, um, you know, this is a, an additional supplemental tool that you can use to really give yep. your kid um, some worldview training. She's. I think she's coming out with the. Uh, Part two soon. Yeah, she is. And she's in Chicago, too. Yeah. Anyways. It's been a good one. It's been a good show. Yeah. That was an interesting conversation. So uh, we hope you enjoyed the show. And don't forget the launch party on Monday with Elisa Childers. If you haven't yet pre-ordered another gospel, uh, go do that on on Amazon. Hey, people, you know what? We said last week, be sure to pre-order because it helps Elisa's Alisa out and you know what y'all came through family family came through. came through she sold out yes they're already in the second printing yes 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 come on y'all yeah this, this is what i'm talking about like as family 
as Christians, we are family and we support the family. And so like talking about this whole education choice thing, how can we support the family? To me, that that's what this is about, like homeschooling. Um, if, if we know that people can't do that or they have barriers and things like that, how do we support the family? How do we support one another? If somebody writing a book, how do I support that person? Yeah. You know, it, it, secular books, um, Ibram Kendi's book shouldn't be the number one on race relations. We need some people writing. Um, somebody told me I should write a book. They told you that too, though. It was a us thing. And so I don't know about that yet. But, um, you know, if, if a book comes out, we need to be supporting people, especially when it's a good book. This is a good book. Yeah. So, all right, y'all, we out of here. We'll see you Monday night. Bye. God bless. Thanks for listening to All The Things. Be sure to subscribe to our website at allthethingsshow.com and find us on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, or wherever you stream your podcast. Be sure to hit that subscribe button and the bell so you'll receive alerts when we post new shows. We'll see you next week.